Hey everybody, welcome to Deathmatch News Radio. This is episode number 19, and I am joined on the line by a very special guest. We have Alex Cologne on the the line. Um, Alex Cologne, uh, you've been doing deathmatches for quite a while. You've been wrestling for quite a while. You wrestled through CZW. Now you're in Game Changer Wrestling. You just got the... The big nod, you're going to be taking on June Kasai on February 16th uh, in Atlantic City for Game Changer Wrestling. So um, I'm going to start out with just some kind of basic questions. Uh, first one, Alex, how did you get into Deathmatch Wrestling? Uh, you know, From a fan perspective or just a wrestler pr- perspective? Um, Well, both. Well, uh... Uh, coming from New Jersey, we we had a very there's a, obviously local TV stations that that kind of run around there, and uh, I caught CZW in the early 2000s around the first best of the best. Uh, I caught it on uh, the advertisement on one of the local TV stations, and uh, it just caught my eye because I saw Sick Nick Mondo and a, a bunch of the other guys using light tubes and stuff, and I've never seen that in wrestling at that time before, and I thought that was the craziest shit ever. So <laughs> it caught my attention. So. I basically uh, kind of kept up with it here and there. Uh, it being on local TV at like 12 o'clock at night or one or two in the morning, it's kind of hard to really, uh, as a kid, keep up with that because I have school and stuff. But uh, around 2004, I ended up somehow with one of my friends ended up at Cage of Death, and then from there I kept up with the company on a regular, and then uh, from there, from doing that, uh, I branched out into uh, learning about other companies via Smart Mark Video. So. That's kind of how I found Deathmatch Wrestling or got into it. Awesome. And by the way, we're going to be joined by Mike in a moment. Mike's coming back. He'll be ready in a minute to join us. So, um, and then uh, the next thing I got to ask is, so you started training for wrestling. I'm always curious about this. When you're training for wrestling and you go to the boss and you say, hey, I want to do that glass shit, do you get a Deathmatch trainer or how do you prepare for that type of thing? Uh. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't really know if I have too much of an answer for that. Uh, you just you learn how to wrestle. That's what you you learn. The death matching thing is kind of like you learn it as you go. If you decide to take that route, you know what I mean. There's there's guys who kind of like pass trade secrets around for whatever reasons. It's not something that you learn. It's not a course. There there's no right way or wrong way essentially to get hit with light tubes and to get hit with or get thrown through glass and stuff like that. It's just something that you, a very old school, uh, guy who was in one of the original, you there? Uh, yeah. Yep. We got Mike on the phone as well. So if you want to keep on going, go ahead. All right. Uh, uh, my first three months of training, I trained with, uh, an old school guy. He was, uh, one of the originals of the original ECW Eastern championship wrestling. So like it was straight old school basics. And, uh, Going at CZW, that's kind of it. Just it branched off from there into more of like the modern style of wrestling because there's a lot of more of a uh, current generation indie wrestlers at the time, and uh, 07. So really, like j- deathmatch stuff, you just learn it along the way. It isn't something that you learn when you go to a wrestling school. All right. Um, okay. So uh, the next question, you know, I you know we I don't really want to go over the a million matches because I, I I really want to get to the uh, the present day. But, you know, um, you wrestled uh, Danny Havoc's final match in CZW, and then uh, short, you know, shortly after Matt Tremont left, and now you're in Game Changer. What led to that transition of all of these guys kind of, like, moving from CZW to Game Changer Wrestling, or even with, like, Danny Havoc deciding to not wrestle anymore? Um, see, I, 
All right, so I might have to go into a kind of like a, a timeline. I might jump back and forth, so just reel me in, if anything. Uh, so just I'll I'll start with kind of myself and branch out to the whole GCW CCW thing. So uh, I'm I'm about ten years in the business, let's say around there a little bit, like a little bit going into there, and uh, things just weren't working out for me in CCW, and I was I was trying my best to. Uh, I guess, so to speak, get over, get heat or whatever uh, the promoter and the bookers at the time wanted. And it just wasn't what they were looking for. So they were kind of fiddling and tooling me around. I don't like to talk trash about CZW. DJ Hyde's actually not a horrible person. He just makes really dumb decisions. And uh, he had people in his ear that were telling him that I wasn't good for the company. And uh, essentially, in one fell swoop, they... uh, they uh, took uh, the wire title off of me when I had it without even telling me. Just waited last minute right before my match or like a couple minutes before the show started. Decided for me to find out by looking at the call sheet instead of calling me like a man uh, before the show happened while I was at home or, or having a talk with me about it like a professional would. They uh, had me find out via my opponent at the time, which really pissed me off. So uh, that that happening and me not getting over in his eyes and whoever else was in his ears eyes, they decided to, uh, fire me, not fire me kind of like, Oh, well, we're not going to book you anymore. Or, uh, we just don't have a spot for you. Cause you're just not getting over. And I would hear all this secondhand from uh, a bunch of the guys in Ohio that were working for him at the time, because he would, you know, they would ask, well, Hey, why don't you book Alex? Or people would constantly be like, Hey, why don't you bring Alex back? He's good. Cause at one point I was having some of the best matches on his card and it just didn't in his eyes. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to be there. Maybe I don't know what goes on in that man's head, but, uh, he, uh, he let me go. And I was just at the time I was working local places, rockstar pro. If you ever heard of that, a couple other places here and there, uh, locally. Um, and I just thought about quitting. I, I literally was getting ready to quit wrestling and, uh, me and Danny Havoc somehow, I don't even know how we uh, started texting on the phone to each other randomly, but like through texting each other on the phone became pretty close. And uh, he essentially put his his fist down being a veteran there and said, you're bringing Alex back for uh, a match in Dayton and I'm going to wrestle him. It's going to be a death match. And uh, and we've obviously had amazing chemistry before that. So we've had matches before that against each other. So uh we had a match in Dayton, a, a light tube death match, and it, it was really good. A lot of people uh, talked about it, raved about it. Uh, even DJ Hyde gave me a, a big hug, and he said he didn't even know I had it in me. And it's like after years of putting my body through crazy amounts of abuse, even in regular matches, I'll take really crazy bumps and do really crazy moves off the top rope and like just just dumb, dumb shit that other people shouldn't be doing in the wrestling ring. Uh, before their 10 year mark or before even their seven year bitter mark, uh, quote unquote, uh, um, he, uh, he put me over at the mo- at the time. And, um, and I thought, all right, I, I earned my job back. So I, hopefully they bring me back. And, and he, and he tooled around as usual, he tooled around on me, uh, and zips and butts, uh, maybe we'll bring you back. Uh, we have plans too. So, so I got kind of got left in the dust again, and uh, Danny Havoc kept fighting and fighting, and actually he would hit me up on a regular and say, hey, I'm, I'm trying my best to get you back in here, and uh, me and a bunch of other guys are, are trying to get DJ to bring you back, but also he had other people, which I'm going to leave nameless because it's not worth the, the drama and argument at this point. It's years back. 
in his ear telling him that I was just uh, uh, bad for the locker room and I had a bad attitude because I would not talk to people enough. I wouldn't engage with people before the show. It's like, it's the, I, I didn't know it was wrestling high school. I thought it was the wrestling business. So that, that really uh, struck me. And at that point I was just ready to quit and you're losing. Hey, you there? Yep. I am here. Um, I think we got Mike. Let's see if I can get this going. Let's see. Hello. Alex, are you there? This is Mike. Okay, all right. Hey, what's up, Mike? Let's add Alex back on. Cool. So, um, so real quick, so Alex, you were just talking about how, um, uh, you know, you had the match with Danny Havoc, and it kind of it kind of impressed people, and you were like, hey, I've been here for years, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so to catch you up, Mike, we're talking about how I, how I got in from uh, just being a regular wrestler in CZW to uh, – getting into the more hardcore deathmatch genre. And uh, so I had the match. It was a, a night of infamy or whatever. I had the match with Danny Havoc and a lot of people in the back and DJ Hyde himself and fans were putting out, putting it over as we didn't know Cologne had it in them and all this other jazz. And uh, I thought that was my way back in the company. And apparently it wasn't. It wasn't enough to for me to uh, have my way back in the company after 10 years of sacrifice killing my body in a crazy death match just wasn't enough to prove that I out of, of the locker, a locker room full of people that were just there for the money or just there to get their name out so they could go somewhere else. It wasn't enough for me to be back in the company. So, uh, Danny Havoc kept fighting for me, fighting for me. Uh, and then I got brought in to do a TOD match with them and, uh, killed it there. And for, and they kind of brought me back sporadically after that, but that was more Danny Havoc putting his name out there and saying, Hey, you, you have to bring him back or there's going to be an issue with us. So they, it was just like a sporadic kind of bring back thing. And it was whatever, you know, and uh, his last match was kind of going to be the christening of me being the new Danny Havoc or whatever uh, the booking team at the time and the owner uh, decided what they, what, what it was going to be. And uh, we had a really good match there. Uh I I killed my body. I literally had to go to the hospital. It was a it was a messed up situation. I had to have stitches and stuff and blase blase. But uh, even in that exchange, DJ Hyde really didn't have any interaction with me after the match that I remember. It was a hey, are you okay? Uh, and whatever. And I was like, hey, you need to let Danny Havoc have his moment. And got out the ring and I got taken care of. And uh, he didn't really talk to me too much after that, which kind of pisses me off because if somebody's putting their body on the line for you. Like you should be gracious. And that's one thing I can say about GCW is they hit me up a ton, a ton more than I'd expect Brett to hit me up or even Danny and say, Hey, thank you for, for sticking with us. Thank you for putting your body on the line and doing this for us. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's helping you out and it's helping all of us out, you know? And, um, so I did that match or whatever. They, they set me up with a, with a little story or whatnot. I did, a the cage death where Nick Gage all of a sudden came in from the outside and uh, stormed the ring. And um, so a bunch of stuff got messed up because at the time, uh, Sammy Callahan was helping with booking. or I can't really remember because there was so many hands in the cookie jar at the time. It's really hard to point fingers. But uh, a bunch of stuff got messed up. And um, we we fixed some stuff in, in our match by that. I mean, me and Connor Claxton, we did some uh, stuff that they didn't want for us to do, uh, just to fix kind of like things making sense. And, uh, it caused a big argument cause a bunch of stuff 
a bunch of other stuff got messed up, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, GCW's invading as I'm literally leaving the building to go home, drive 10 hours away. They're invading the building. I see them running. It was crazy as shit ever. <laughs> um, so that happens. Uh, somebody gets on the phone with me. I really couldn't remember. I it definitely wasn't DJ. Somebody got on the phone with me and just like uh, started berating me. DJ got on the phone, started berating me about how am I going to say that it's his fault when uh, he, that uh, we changed stuff to our match when he called me a month before and uh, told me that that's what he wanted to do. And it just pissed me off. And I just flipped the fuck out, and I, I told him off, and what it, it happened so long ago, I really can't remember verbatim, but I told him off, and, and just said that that was it. I wasn't, I just wasn't gonna fuck with him like that anymore. And I did a match after that there, and uh, that's that's after that I did the show, and that was the show they started literally telling I can have to do between uh, GCW and CCW, and really I wasn't in GCW at the time. Uh, Danny Havoc kind of as Danny Havoc does best he uh put me over to GCW management because he's seen something in me and seen something that that was coming ahead of ahead of everything else like and uh he put me over and they gave me a couple opportunities and it took like like two or three shows before they realized that that they had something you know I'm not putting myself over but just in general speaking uh they realized they had something and they kind of the momentum went from there. So, uh, yeah, that, that one show, literally they had everybody in the back saying, Hey, you have to choose, you have to choose. Oh. And the thing with me is, Oh, we're going to bring this person over to wrestle you. And we're going to put this title on you. We're going to let you win TOD, all this other shit. And to me, that's not what was important at the time. I didn't, I could care fucking less about winning titles and getting put over. It was more about loyalty. It's like, I put, I put, at the time I put 10 years of, of heart and sacrifice and it's like, I, I felt like I was never shown the proper respect that I should have been shown. It's like, I I understand putting the people ahead of you that are getting the spotlight, but you also have to remember the people behind them that, that put the weight on their shoulders and that, that sacrificed their body for your company because their blood is sweat and tears matter just as much as the guy you're making champion or the next best thing on the Indies. You know what I mean? And, uh, I felt like they didn't see that. They were just looking at everything else and neglecting neglecting the people who uh, who put their bodies on the line. And those people ended up leaving CZW for GCW. And uh, that's kind of where that, that story branched off. Then I did GCW, and they, they literally have given me opportunity after opportunity and big match after big match. Because I'll tell myself after one, uh, you know, I like doing death matches, but what, how— where can I go? What after I wrestled after I wrestled uh Ciclope and Miedo, it's like, all right, well, what am I gonna do now? And then I got on this Takeda rant. And then I wrestled Takeda and I was like, all right, I wrestled the best, the best wrestler, the best deathmatch wrestler in the world. Uh, what there's really nothing left for me to do. I'm you know, I mean I could wrestle the the guy the local guys or the guys in the States, and that's cool. I trust me, I would love to wrestle all them guys that I haven't wrestled yet. But, like, once you wrestle the best, like, where do you go from there? What do you do, you know? And they they just keep upping the ante. So, me wrestling Kasai is a big fucking deal, and uh, I can't wait. <laughs> so, that's a long story short, guys. <laughs> cool. Uh, hey, Mike, let me ask one more, and then Mike can can take over, because I'm sure Mike's got a lot of good stuff. But um, what, what was your first de- uh, match in GCW, and what do you feel was, like, the breakthrough match that got you uh, to where you are now, which we're going to talk about your, you know, your more recent opponent soon, but yeah. 
uh, me and Marcus Crane in Wisconsin. Uh, it was the Danny Havoc promoted show, and he he made sure that I was on that show because he has become like family to me. So he made sure that all the guys that he was super tight with were on that show. And that was my first one. And the breakout one probably still in my head is me and G Raver, which was my only time in the, uh, the sacred game changer building. So that was to me, my breakout. Cause we, we went crazy as shit. So awesome. And then, uh, Mike, if you want to, if you want to, uh, take over. Yeah. I just want to make a comment before I even ask any questions. Uh, I okay. have to say, uh, DJ's huge fucking blunder again because you've only put on probably the three best death matches in the last two years. So uh, quality choice by DJ again. Uh, I mean, you're you're the guy. Uh, your match with Danny Havoc, amazing. Your match with Takeda, amazing. Uh, your match with Masoka, amazing. Uh, we constantly vote on the death match cult page. In two years in a row, you've been in the match of the year. So it's uh, it's amazing. At the, Mike, at the end of the day, like. Like, like I'll say with everybody, DJ's a, a idiot. Yeah, that's true. Like, he makes a lot of dumbass decisions, but like, he's not a horrible person. He just, in my eyes, he just he doesn't he doesn't understand what makes CZW sure. CZW. That's why it is where it is right now. You know well, what I've I mean? Same yeah, with the work. Absolutely. I've interviewed him twice. He's been very nice to me. So I don't shut him. It's just uh, he's made some poor booking decisions, in my my opinion, which don't mean Agreed. much. But it's my opinion, you know. I just, uh, he's chased away some talent. Yes, a lot, actually. Uh, you know, which uh, which is a shame because, uh, you know, I started going to CZW in 2000. So way back when, early shit, and I've always uh, always loved it. And I, I loved TOD this year. I liked it. I, I like some of the shit they did the last couple of shows, so hopefully they can get back up. But Game Changer is just so far above everybody. Yeah, no, Game Changers, the Game Changers, uh, this generation, CCW of like our generation. You know what I mean? Because like when I started, when I started catching up on CCW, it was the early 2000s. And then like the mid 2000s, I really started becoming a regular. It's, it's the new ECW for me because in the 90s, I went to like 60 ECW shows across like six states. So for me, it's kind of that ECW feeling because all the guys are so into it. You can just see how much you guys put your effort above so many other shows, you know, so you guys love the product and it shows, you know, sometimes you can just see when people are phoning shit in, but you guys have a card with five. Nobody, death phones, it in. Nobody no. phones it in a GCW. It's a battle for who's going to have match of the night. Every yeah, I, would, fucking I would not want to be in the main event because sometimes that first death match is so crazy. That's some yeah. of the worst yeah. spot to be. It's because that, that boom, 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 boom. That, that's how I felt. That's how I felt with 400 degrees. Like G Raver and uh and Vedit went out there and killed it, and I was like, well, <laughs> we gotta we gotta do something. Well, absolutely. By the time Eric Ryan and Nick Gage came, there had already been like four quality death matches. Hard to intermatch was quality too. Just hard to uh hard to keep Every up. Every match that. on that show was awesome. So without a doubt, without a doubt. Now, now you've got Kasai next. Um, yeah. Being a fan and all that. You know, when they came to you and said, Alex, you know, we want you to go get June. What was your thoughts and feelings? Um, shocked. Uh, it, uh, a mix, maybe like, uh, yeah, I'm happy. Of course, anybody's going to be happy if they're wrestling June Kasai. That's that, that's no fucking question. It's more of a like, all right, Mar Marcus Crane is coming out, calling out June Kasai for however long. You know what I mean? And me being someone who who's very loyal to to the boys in the back and loyal to the guys I consider my friends. I felt bad. I felt like, all right, am I doing something wrong by saying, okay, I'll do this match. You know what I mean? I'm being asked because, because 
shoot, he's given a list of guys. Who do you who do you want to come over here and work? Who who do you think you know what I mean could give you a, the match you're looking for? You know what I mean? And and I'm not going to put too much out there if I was the first choice or the second choice, but at some point I got picked. You know what I mean? So so right. June Kasai had enough enough to say, all right, well I trust him because at the end of the day, if if I was if I wasn't his first pick, which doesn't bother me if I'm not or if I am, it's like I could just stay home. I don't have to go to the States and wrestle anybody. If I feel uncomfortable, I'm just going to stay home. You know what I mean? He could just call off last minute and he didn't. He, he said, all right, well, this Cologne kid, maybe he had a good one with Takeda. Maybe he had a good one with Masioka. Maybe I can have a good one with him. We could see where we could take this relationship. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, besides Danny Havoc, obviously you two are close, and you've done so many amazing matches in CCW. You know, you've taken on the Devin Moores and the Shane Stricklands and Rich Swans and Drake Youngers. Yeah, when Drake was there, who who is uh, who is your favorite opponent besides Danny in CCW? Oh man, you've had so many. I mean, Air Fox and just yeah. Uh, me and Air Fox have. Probably other than me and Danny Havoc have second and none some of the best chemistry. Like I've wrestled them in uh, wrestling revolver as well, and that we're talking like years after we've had a singles match and we still had it. Like there was it was something something was still there. People were like, yeah, something's there. So maybe Ar Fox. I mean, I also have great chemistry with G Raver. I have great chemistry with Lucky Thirteen. Uh, I have great chemistry with a lot of dudes. Devin Moore. Uh, me and Matt Tree might have pretty good chemistry. Uh, I have chemistry, good chemistry with Jonathan Gresham. I have chemistry with a lot of a lot of great dudes. Uh, it's it's rare. I can't pick it up with somebody, but uh, like those are all those guys are pretty much the guys I have great chemistry with. There was definitely a lot of uh, talent that went through there when, when you were there uh, oh, yeah, you know, in the early two thousands. You know, a lot of guys are WWE. It feels like you you know how old you make me feel. It feels like forever. <laughs> like, um, uh, uh, the, my first time meeting uh, Miedo, Miedo Extremo, uh, I'm pretty sure that's how I say his name, but like uh, he uh, he told me he was watching my CCW stuff when he was like 16, and that, that blew my mind. I was like, man, I'm old. <laughs> I'm old now. Don't feel bad. I'm, I'm 45, so I got a little on you. <laughs> well, hey, I, uh, um, I was curious about something. So, you know, you've been the guy to go to for the international stuff, so I got a couple questions about that. Number one is... Yeah. Um, what made you start calling out Takeda, and then, you know, eventually he got announced for the NGI three, and like, you know, did you know immediately that you were going to get that that match? Like, what 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 was behind putting that, uh, you know, putting that up? I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was a combination of watching Matt call out Onita and like that working for him. Like, and then everybody started putting up these weird, like, people I want to wrestle lists after I think Cody Rhodes did it. And everybody's, like, putting up these lists. Oh, we want to wrestle this guy. And I thought, oh, that's cool. But, like, 8 million people have done it. It's kind of stupid at this point. And I was, like, the calling out thing, it was kind of, like, my quickest way to uh, get get a match that I wanted. Because at that point, I was watching Takeda kill it with Violento Jack and Kasai and all these other dudes. And I'm, like, that's the dude I want to wrestle. I just... It's cool just wrestling, you know what I mean, your schlacks and your ravers, but there's got to be something more to this, you know what I mean? I feel like maybe I have a little bit more in the gas tank that I can, like, put against anybody else, you know what I mean? And it's like, I want to wrestle the best, and at some point I was just like, I want to wrestle Takeda, how can I make this happen? And then I did it, it's kind of like, let me see if me saying this on Twitter or something could get a reaction, 
And then it got a little tiny reaction. I just kept going and kept going until somebody just made the match happen. And it happened. And then um, I'm curious, like, how do you um, how do you put a match? Like, how do you prep for a match with someone who doesn't speak English? Like, do you go through, do you start just watching, you know, as you've done now for the third time in the past couple months, do you just go through and start watching as much of their matches as possible on YouTube to get ready for, like, their uh, movements? Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely, I, I scout ahead of time. Um, I even did that with Ciclope and Miedo. I, I tried to find their stuff online to some degree and, like, watch as many matches as I could to kind of understand their, their moveset. And even, not just their moveset, but, like, like just the way they take moves or the way they move in the ring. Because, like, the way Masayoka moves compared to the way Takeda moves, and they're both Japanese wrestlers, is completely different. The speed is different, and just the steps they take in the ring is completely different. So, like... I, ha- I literally study the shit out of these dudes and and I uh, take bits and pieces of what they do. So I know when I go in there, I, I already know the stuff that they do for the most part, even if it's old stuff. Like I'll be like, oh, how about this or how about that? And and if they say no, I could just keep flipping and flopping around other matches that I've seen. And then I just use the psychology of the stuff that I've seen. I literally, honestly, I dissect the shit out of their matches. So I do that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Awesome, and then uh, the one last thing, you know, I actually just watched your match against Takeda a few days ago to prep for this, and, um, you know, I'm really just curious, because that match, you know, it won the death match of the year, the U.S. awards, and a couple different polls and stuff, and it just, it was just an awesome match, we all know it, right? And um, I'm watching it, and I'm curious, I'm like, how much of this is kind of planned, and how much of it is kind of, you know, ready? And how much of it was you guys just, like, flowing with the crowd and the gimmicks and everything? Uh, you know, a lot of it's planned, but, like, there's certain there's certain things we did in the ring, like, just, like, uh, emotion-wise or just, like, the small shit that you can't. Like, uh, a good example, like, not, not with the Takeda match, but just with the Masioka match, he got hurt towards the end of the match. And the, he speaks barely any English at all, like, none. None. It, you don't, you got to understand, I had to repeat English words like 10 times, and he would just give me a blank stare. So literally, at the end of that match, like, it was a task, but, like, I somehow what I said got through to his head after saying it five, six times. And uh, we got in the ring and, and finished the match. But, like, it's – with some of these guys, it's really hard to communicate language-wise. So you try to use it, sign language to some degree and, and movement and just, like – looking at them a certain way or saying their name a certain way when you're doing a move or before you do a move, that's going to kind of give them a cue for, Hey, Oh, this is coming or, or, uh, we're about to do this. You know what I mean? And that it was like that with Takeda. So there, a lot of it was planned. It was just some stuff was just second nature as a wrestler that, you know, to expect or that, you know, you're going into when you give somebody a look or when you touch somebody a certain way, when you're in the ring. Was the tree that I mean? Was the tree planned? Because that because I mean that was the biggest spot of the whole match, you know. (laughs) The tree wasn't planned. Uh, I was worried that hitting him with the tree was going to get me international heat. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, he was cool with it. And I'm guessing because like literally before I hit him with the tree, uh, I almost killed myself at least two or three times doing uh, taking a move from him. So I mean, it evened out. You know, if you sacrifice for them, they'll sacrifice for you. That's just the way I see it. Awesome. All right, uh, Mike, if you want to throw a few. 
Yeah, I got a couple. Um, you're uh, you're one of the main guys, in, in my opinion, the two best deathmatch companies in the United States, you know, and two of the best in the world, uh, H2O and GCW. Um, what, what are the biggest differences between those companies, do you think? Um, H2O, to me, H2O isn't deathmatch. It's more hardcore. Uh, they do do deathmatches, yeah, but, like, they primarily do a lot of, like, more ECW-style stuff. Uh, GCW to me is like early CZW and H2O is, is like ECW, early ECW going into mid ECW. That's kind of like, that's the best example I could probably give you. It's H2O is more hardcore and GCW is like straight death match for the most part, other than the spring break Janela shows. Definitely. Yeah. H2O has got that old school feeling to it. That like Memphis booking kind of feel. You know, man did a good job with the long-time feuds. GCW used to, but then they kind of got away from it for a little while. Uh, yeah, they, they lost their – them losing their building kind of, like, screwed a lot of plans, so they do the best yeah. they can, which is understandable. And the Absolutely. fact that all the guys all the guys put their heart and soul into every match, like, that makes up for a lot of, like, the storyline stuff that they can't, like, you know what I mean, take from Jersey to Chicago, Chicago right. to L.A. situation, you know? Now you've worked obviously uh, Masoka and Takeda, and you worked uh, Arrow Boy uh, in the sequel yeah. play in video. Biggest difference between working Lucha versus Japanese styles is. is uh, I want to say uh, uh, Puro, or at least to, to Deathmatch style of Puro, is is more simplistic because of the strong style mentality. It uh, strong style mm-hmm. is meant to be. Uh, beating somebody with with more realistic quote unquote and and very simplistic moves. Uh, lucha lucha can be complicated if you don't understand it. Lucha lucha can be actually very complicated if you don't understand it. And then you obviously do a, a lot more risk taking move wise with lucha. And there's a lot more aerial and a lot more athleticism to me when it comes to lucha. When when uh, Japanese style of wrestling could be more stiff and more man to man, like I hit you, you hit me type situation. Psychology, man, psychology. You know, right? You gotta have the psychology too. I mean, it, the days of the guys just smashing light tubes over each other's heads should be retired. Yeah. Uh, it's no. much better to watch you guys go out there and do these amazing matches with some light tubes and things. Yeah. To you don't need six hundred light tubes, ten rattlesnakes, and razor wire to have a I great agree. match. That's why. That's why. Anytime you see me in death matches, like literally, I try to, I try to keep everything to the simplest form because when you start adding like, like blenders and and okay. electric electric saws and all these crazy things, like people aren't enamored by the match after that. They're more enamored by the objects you're using or the objects you're going through uh, than the match itself, you know. And I still want to have wrestling be a part of all my wrestling matches that involve weapons. You know what I mean? Let me ask you something, actually. With, you know, just kind of going off of some uh, some current news. You know, the uh, the Carnage Cup is canceled and stuff. I'm sure that you heard the whole thing that we did about that. I just want to know: Do you have any comments about uh, Carnage Cup, Kevin Brennan, and that kind of um, you know that more uh, brutal graphic style? I guess. Uh. Brutal graphic or, or very uh, <laughs> very sketch, maybe. Uh, um, I've. I've never had contact with whoever runs that or I've only had contact with the guys that have been a part of Carnage Cup and I I don't hear too many great stories ever 
Uh, it's usually very like very shady. The owner, the owner's not about the the boys. He's not about uh, the wrestling aspect. He's more about people just cutting themselves and killing themselves. Or he and it comes off as though he wouldn't care if somebody died, which is kind of messed up. You don't want to be that way because then dudes don't want to work for you. Next thing you know, you're hiring half-trained guys who just want to grab a blade and cut themselves just for the hell of it. You know what I mean? Half of his roster. Yep. Cool. And then um, uh, just a, a couple more since we got you on the phone for another minute or so. Um, I want to ask a few more questions about what's going on right now. You know, um, now uh, you wrestled for IWA before and, you know, recently J.C. Rotten, he announced that he's going to be leaving and making a new company uh, called Trainwreck. Yeah. They're already talking about doing deathmatch tournaments and stuff. And I've been kind of talking to them and stuff. Um, I don't know. Do you have any comments to say about uh, IWA, J.C., Ian Rotten and that whole um, situation? <sighs> Uh, I've, I've never had, I've never had, I want to per se a bad experience verbally with Ian Rotten. Uh, I've had wrestle, wrestled shows for him where I was told via another person that they were going to pay me, me being the kid at the time. Oh, we're going to, we'll pay the kid for him going out there with you 10 hours away. And then I was never paid, which kind of pissed me off. Cause it, it happened a time I was told I was going to be paid. So I have worked for Mid-South like two or three times. And uh, I, I really, there's not much to say about it. Ian's never been mean to me. He's never had anything really mean to say about me. We just, I just stay where I'm at, and he stays, and he stays where he's at. He's never tried to book me because, I be honest, I don't know if I take the booking just be from the stories that you hear about him not paying people, and just from the experience of me not getting paid before, even being a young guy in the business. Still, you pay, you do your best to pay talent, or you figure out a way to show appreciation for them doing what they're doing and just ignoring people or trying to stiff people on money when this is, this is a business. If you don't have money, you shouldn't be running a company. It, it, it's just, it's not right. So I, I don't have much of a comment other than that. Uh, I've met his son a few times before he started wrestling. Uh, when he started wrestling, I really haven't had any conversation with JC. The only thing that I have to go off of are the decent conversations we've had in passing as he was a fan still. So really that's it. All right. Um, Mike, anything else that you want to go over? Yeah. Hey, feel free guys to ask me whatever. Cause <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not a shooter. I'm not somebody who's going to, who's going to state their bitterness. But if you have any questions you want to ask that just pertains to anything that was around me while I've been in wrestling is fine too. But otherwise it's cool. Okay, awesome. Um, do you think we'll ever see Danny Havoc in the ring again? Uh, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but probably not. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to. Um, he just has a lot of reasons for him in his own personal personal life, maybe his well-being, like how, how his body is, what shape his body is, is that he can't physically he like he said in that promo uh, in his last match. He physically cannot. He can't do the matches the way he wants to anymore. And that's the that's literally the honest truth. What he said there is the truth. Is right. is like after seeing doctors and stuff, he physically can't do the matches the way he wants to anymore. So that's basically the reason why he uh, retired. Really, so I, don't, I don't see career. it happening. And if it yeah. does happen, I'll be nervous for him. Yeah. Well, he put on an amazing career, so he owes nobody nothing. Hopefully, he's. Happy now and pain free. Uh, man put on 10 years of just quality death matches. Yeah, he's, he's a pioneer. He's a pioneer in the style, definitely. 
Absolutely. Uh, him and Drake Younger, you know, those guys kind of turned made wrestling more important than hack and slash. You know, they, yeah, they, no, you're right. You're, and that's when I broke in, like me and all the younger students and the younger guys, one or two years in, looked up to at the time the Naptown Dragons and guys like Danny Havoc because they weren't guys going out there beating each other up with weapons. Like they were doing wrestling moves and they were adding wrestling into their death matching. And that made me super interested in it. Absolutely. Now, uh, Big Japan just announced that Ricky Shane Page and Jimmy Havoc are coming over for their uh, Kuzin series, which is basically they have a series of death matches for two months. Um, yeah. What, what's your thoughts on that? And, you know, is Japan something that uh, you want in your future? Yeah, definitely. Uh, for somebody to come into independent wrestling and say they don't want to go to Japan, they're lying. Like that's like saying if you wanna you wanna train to become a wrestler, but you don't want to be champion. You know what I mean? Uh, when it comes to Ricky, I'm super happy for Ricky. He deserves it. Uh, he put his body on the line so much, and I've I've had plenty of matches with him, and we've had great chemistry. And he's somebody that's that's willing to put his body on the line. You know what I mean? And somebody like that deserves to have the opportunity to go over there and uh, show his craft. And I'm I'm super happy for the guy. I love that guy. Awesome. And another quick thing, too, is obviously uh, it's all over the mainstream news. Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, you know, talking about in April, he's done with WWE. And obviously he was in CZW and did some deathmatch stuff. Uh, what do you think like about him? I mean, do you think do you think he's going to jump to the Indies and you think it's a work? Me, uh, I've had the opportunity to be around John Moxley a shit ton because obviously, if y'all don't know me, Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan would travel around a, a shit ton for years for a while, uh, while Sammy was in New Jersey in that tenure. Um, and I had the opportunity to share the locker room and to be in rooms and, uh, and restaurants and, and car rides with John Moxley. And, uh, one thing I took from all his conversations is he said, someday I want to just move where there are no people and get away from everything. So my prediction is, He's going to leave wrestling completely, and if he doesn't, uh, that's good for him. But like, just from the conversations in the past that I've heard him have, and that I've had personally with him, like the tidbits, is that someday he wants to just completely get away from everybody to where there's no people around him, and he's just by himself in in the wilderness. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of the photos of him that he'll post are him in like the deserts of Vegas with you know coyotes and stuff like. He, yeah. He's told more than one person in this business that he someday just wants to get away from the business completely. He wants to have his run in on TV, and then he wants to leave and just get away from everything once he has enough money to be stable with his life. And that seems as though that's the case, does it not? Definitely. <laughs> so cool. Um, awesome. Um, let's see. Anything else I wanted to go over really quickly? Um, I don't know. Mike, do you have anything else? Um. Well. I mean, obviously, we got Sai coming up. And you yeah. said you don't obviously want to face anybody. Who else out there really uh, interests you in a one-on-one -on -one match that you haven't had? Uh, American side, uh, Nick Gage. At some point before I decide to call this thing a quit, a quitting or whatever, quit in general, uh, I have to wrestle Nick Gage just because he's he's like he's the Jun Kasai of America. <laughs> you know what I mean? He he is, and uh, Japanese wise, after Kasai, I'm thinking about it in my head, I don't know. 
uh, can somebody uh, put Matsunaga in a time machine and and bring him back, or can Thank somebody you. convince Hanma to do another light tube match? Because I'd love to make that happen. But like, these are what if and and dream. You know what I mean? Like we're literally going into a, a virtual vortex. So uh, Nick Gage definitely. That's probably after Kasai. Granted, me and Kasai really fucking tear the house down. Nick Gage would be the next on my list. The, the uh, intensity you both have would be amazing, too. Because you both have that fucking intensity in the ring. And, uh, I'd and the literally home... be afraid one of us would die. I'll be honest with you. Because <laughs> I, I don't back down for shit, so. No, it would be amazing. And Honoma would be amazing. I, I think if he uh, if CZW wouldn't have screwed up a deal and he'd still be doing death matches, he'd probably be the best there was. I mean, he was a fucking amazing. His run in no, Big Japan time. You're right. When they went, he he was one of the first to introduce light tubes, other than Cactus Jack and Sabu in like '93 or something. But he was one of the the ones who got noticed for using light tubes in that whole CZW BJW excursion in 2000. And he wrestled so good too in the matches. I mean, he does. Macau, New Japan, Kobayashi, mm. amazing. You know, amazing. What he would I imagine? I mean, even in New Japan, I enjoy his stuff. Me too. I agree. I mean, Stephen, what's that? Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just asking yeah. Stephen what you had, but no. Uh, well, well, I wanted to ask, and you know, this is a question that you probably can't answer, and probably don't know, even if you could, and everything like that. But you know, um, you know, I'm on kind of like the corner of it and everything. But what is going on with uh, Game Changer Wrestling and uh, Freedoms? Like, are they? Do you know anything that might be coming up that uh, that might make fans happy or anything, or 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 is this just bringing over talent for the American fans? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I wish I knew, but I don't. That's obviously uh, far past my pay grade. <laughs> but uh, I, I, in my head, uh, me wrestling Kasai seems like it's uh, to open a door. You know what I mean? So that's what my guess is. is is if I do well with June Kasai, it's not just opening the door for me. It's opening the door for our whole locker room. And that's just the way I see it, just from a past Kasai perspective. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah. All right, cool. Well, um, I – oh, go on, Mike. I got a real quick one. Um, GCW, obviously, always branching out. Uh, Los Angeles, Philly, Chicago, Wisconsin, New Jersey, Florida. Um and they're doing more shows. Do you think a year down the road that GCW may be like a touring entity where it may go tour Fridays and Saturdays, three weekends out of the month in different markets? Uh, I don't know, man. Um, I honestly don't know. Just be, just because, at least from my perspective, I think with the Janela shows, they could, they could do something with that. Uh, they'd have to figure out how to do it without Janela, him being in all elite. But like uh, when it comes to death matching, like it's just a very it's very niche and it's honestly only accepted in certain places because you literally I don't think you could do a death match in places like Missouri and all these other places that do like strict like tons of of blood work and piss work just in order to get a, a license. You know, what I mean, just to wrestle out there or do any sporting out there. So I think certain markets, yeah, maybe, but uh, like as a every weekend thing it just it it's it's all on the management so and me being a wrestler i can only i only know so much well, yeah. or i can only speculate so much you know 
it seems like they're starting to run a few more shows. So who knows, maybe even like four shows a month. I mean, if they're broadening their markets, I know they want to go to Texas, and I know there's other plans, which is awesome to see. It's awesome to no, see them go uh, to other markets. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a conversation I had before with, with I'm pretty sure it was G Raver. This is a, a side conversation we had. We were like, we're all, we're all at least a deathmatch locker room. We're going 100 miles an hour every show. It's like we, our body, our bodies, literally, at least me speaking, and this is completely honest. This is shoot honest. My body takes at least two to three weeks to heal from something, from a crazy, like, hardcore slash deathmatch. It takes me a while to heal. Like, doesn't heal right away. Obviously, I'm I'm a 30-something-year-old male. I'm not, like, a 20-year-old kid who can heal up in a week or two and just go into the next week and do another crazy deathmatch. But it's like, it's like uh, in order for them to do, for them to be able to do something like that with our section of the locker room, we would have to do more than just deathmatch. You know what I mean? We would have to do hardcore or sure. pseudo hardcore or, sure. or, or also be involved in a lot of the regular matches. And, and yeah, I see sections of that, but not a, not a big section. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just a lot of like, just what you see. It's like what you see is literally going to tell you more of a story than what you're probably going to get in the back half the time. Because, because half the stories people tell just in general, when it comes to locker rooms are very, uh, this happened, so let me add this to the story. Let me add this to the story. So by the time you get the story, it's not the real story. It's just a myth. You know what I mean? Right, right. You ever think they'll buy their own building? Have their own yeah. like, like uh, I definitely. I think it's possible. It's just where you know. Sure. It's just where and and what can they get away with? You know. Right, right. Because I was uh, asking, I was asking myself that. I'm like, are the casinos? And I'm sorry, guys, for cutting you off. I'm like, are are the casinos gonna let us? Let us do <laughs> do what we do. I'm not gonna say what we do, but let us do what we do. Are they gonna <laughs> let us be CW, or or am I gonna have to go there, go in there against Sai and and do some? Ken Shamrock has to slap Dan Severn because because he's not allowed to punch him. Shit, like. Right. Uh, yeah, I think you'll be able now. to do Danny, it once. Uh, so. Yeah, Danny said there'll be light tubes. So, and he made a comment the other day. He said there'll be tubes. Oh, uh, which for me. I I I want to ask so like you know one thing about GCCW that you know me and another dude we always talk we always call Brett uh we call him like Mini Heyman like he's like this mad scientist where he'll throw an idea at you and you'll think whatever and 6 months later poof it just happens you know what I mean yeah. um what do you have to say about like the drive and the mind of like that guy he he knows he knows what he's doing I'll tell you that because if that was the uh, if that was the case with a lot of other guys, they would be where GCW is right now. Like if that was the case, with DJ Hyde would DJ Hyde have CZW where it is right now? Like I know a ton of guys who work on that roster. I'm not uh, generalistically trying to shit on the roster because I like a lot of people there really, and I still lo have love for the company. But would it be where it was if they had? Uh, Brett Lauderdale's wrestling mind, probably not, or Danny DeMonto's wrestling mind. Those two guys just know they know what they're doing, or at least they know what the crowd wants, and they know how to motivate the locker room to perform above and beyond what they're capable of. All right, well, that does it for my questions. Mike, do you have, uh, if you want to go, go ahead. I just got one last thing, and I've talked about this with Stephen before. Is I think it's not even the question as much as a comment. I always thought it'd be cool if, like, uh, 
you know, there's there's certain TV channels that are like pay channels, like Cinemax or Showtime, example, who show all these hardcore documentaries. Even like AMC with their violent shows. I always thought it'd be cool if uh, you know, one of those picked up like a GCW special. I think it'd really do well. I mean, if you're given, right. given a platform where it could be GCW, you know, wouldn't it have to be all death, but everything that GCW does. Um, I think right. it, you know, as popular as they are, that would really even magnify it. No, I completely agree. Uh, I, I'm a big Netflix watcher, and for some reason, and I don't know if you if you guys watch a lot of Netflix, but like, seems like they're canceling a lot of stuff a lot more recently. Obviously, probably because of the Disney and Marvel deal. But like, right. uh, it's like why everybody else is capitalizing on wrestling? Well, at least at one point they were with the Lucha Underground and Impact moves around channels like there's no tomorrow and and all elites starting to pick up some type of steam, you know, for where if they ever end up on TV or what the case is. But like it's like, why not hit the Netflix market? You know, why not hit the Amazon market, but just not in a small scale in a bigger scale, you know, and like actual wrestling. Sure. because Most of these TV products are literally just that they're they're TV products. There's something that you experience on TV because. It's a TV thing. It's not like what you'd experience live. And it's like, well, what is what's the live version like? You know, and it's like, why don't put why don't they put something out there that that gives you that like live experience, not just that TV experience. And the thing is, when you show someone a death match, like if I show a friend that's never seen it, they're like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You know, they're pulling away, but they're still watching it because everyone likes to see a train wreck or a, or a plane crash, something fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, it go viral. I mean, some kind of show pops, and you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody goes on a razor board or some crazy spot like that. And I mean, I think going to the masses, I think it would really, you know, because look, look at how big Jackass got, and they were doing essentially a lot of crazy, stupid things. Uh, I mean, even into the, I know that the, the one uh, Jackass guys that are over in the UK, there they actually went to Big Japan. They did stuff with Kobayashi and Jackie Nomazawa back in the day. Did some crazy shit. So yeah, always, uh, I definitely think it'll blow it up. Yeah, no. Um, like I agree with what you're saying. With what you're saying, uh, I in my head, like literally, I, I'm always thinking, like, why, why isn't anyone banking on this market? And a lot of people say, will say, obviously, because death matching is too violent. And like, does anyone realize, like, the violence in video games, the violence just on TV, or even the violence on the news? I think honestly, the difference maker of trying to put a pseudo ultra violent product on like even a streaming service would be the blood content. I think if we, if someone could figure out how to manage how much blood is being spilled per match, which sounds ridiculous, but it's the truth. Think about it. Like sure. you could have light tubes in a, in a wrestling match on TV, Pentagon junior and Vampiro did it. What yep. the difference was is they weren't shedding buckets of blood and, and a lot of death matches you see, especially with the new wave guys like me and, vet it and raver and all these other schlack like it's the blood content like if we could somebody in general could could figure out how to produce ultraviolet content for a streaming service without showing so much blood or having so much blood spilled because some is fine but like too much is going to be too much for just the common viewer you know what i mean i i agree with you i agree um I will say on, on the same token too. Sometimes the bloodiest MMA fights are the ones that we remember the most too. Yeah, no, you're right. I've seen a lot of them on regular, like Spike TV. I've seen plenty of bloody uh, UFC fights on Spike. Yeah, I think it would definitely have to be more adult, adult market, like a pay service or something like that. You're not gonna see GCW on Fox on Wednesday night at eight o'clock. 
But you know, I, there's different no, I, out there. I agree. I'm I'm literally waiting for somebody to put out a more hardcore uh, TV ultra violent style product on some type of streaming service that has a lucha underground feel but we'll like the ultra violent guys that are really doing it right now but like in a way to where you could build to a light tube death match but they're obviously not going to be able to go out there with their shirts off the whole match and have a light tube death match they're gonna have to have their shirts on because you can't sure. show that much blood on tv like some some head color is probably fine because it's a streaming service they can they can like post them them over 18 this and that you know what i mean but like once you're covered in it it's like it becomes a little like, oh, they don't know if they want to deal with this. This is too real right. for television. I really think Absolutely. that one thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about is um, it's a couple things. Like there's there's bloody shit on television. There's like American Horror Story where they you know where people get sliced up and there's blood all over. I think a big thing is is going to be uh, number one lawsuits from kids doing it because nobody wants and even if there is yeah. no it, it it it's the fear of it. And the other thing is. If um, I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that television stations are, are scared because they're like, even if all we're doing is broadcasting somebody else's show, if this dude gets incredibly hurt, are we on the hook for it? And I think that's a big it's reason like, why. It's like kids are already doing it, though. And that's the crazy part. It's like they're going to look for something to always point the finger at. It's like Grand Theft Auto, the video game, which is something that me and my friends play. Uh, on a decent amount regularly for a degree uh that and like red dead and all these video games are, are super violent like there's so much violent killing and you're killing this person you're just killing random people you're just shedding blood everywhere but the minute you see something that involves like maybe real people you know what i mean no that's too much that's too much for my child to watch but you're letting them play these crazy violent video games like what's the difference Absolutely. And look at, I mean, movies and everything, movies constantly push the boundary with violence. I mean, one of the most popular TV shows now, whoever thought would be a show where zombies go around fucking biting people's faces off. But a lawyer is going to make the argument that that's not going to happen, whereas kids can go up to the local dumpster and get a bunch of light tubes and start breaking them. I'm just just speaking as the lawyer for a television show, you know. You know, you have a point. It's because a I only say that because the Simpsons commentators, they'll, they'll, or I mean the, uh, the, the, uh, the writers, they'll talk about how every single Simpsons show, the censors come in, they say Bart can't do that because we don't want kids doing it. They don't want Bart smoking. They don't want Bart drinking alcohol. They don't want Bart doing, some, you know, crawling inside of a fridge was one of them because they were like, because there was some episode where Bart was going to hide inside of a fridge and the lawyers were like, you know, that's actually really dangerous and kids can do that, so we don't want Bart doing that. So these are all the things that go into American television production. You're, you're so right, also, but also the reasoning for disclaimers. Yeah, and that's a cartoon, too. It's targeting four children. You're right. But look at Jackass. They've done more violent things than GCW's ever thought of. And they got taken and off the air, basically. I mean, like... But they still like, five seasons. How many seasons yeah. of Jackass? Three yeah, but, like, they'll, they'll talk about how, like, every single episode they were able to do less and less stuff. Like, every episode they got a letter saying, you can't do that anymore, don't do that anymore. And they were constantly retroactively editing those shows every time they aired... 
they would censor one more part of the episode, you know, like it, it's it's just really hard. That's all to 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 put this on American television is very very difficult. I think that's all. But that's the thing. That's the thing with streaming services; they control their own content, and and they also like their their advertisers are also knowledgeable about what content's on their streaming service. So it's not like TV where you have so many hands in the cookie jar, like with streaming services. There's certain hands in a cookie jar, and it's it's all controlled. You know what I mean? It's not. There's just a difference between the TV that you'll get on your your normal television and the streaming service you'll get from a Roku or or your laptop. You know, uh, and that just it's all it's all in what they want they want for their their service. Like they'll push the boundaries as much as they possibly want, as long as it brings them the satisfaction that they're looking for. And that's the honest truth. All right. Well, um, okay, that's all I got for the interview. Um, Alex, if you want to stick on for another 15 minutes, we just got a couple little news items to go through. Uh, that's cool. I'm down. All right, cool. So um, as Mike mentioned, so uh, Big Japan, they started the – or they've announced the blocks for the Ikitosin. Um I don't have the full blocks in front of me. Do you happen to have the full blocks in front of you, Mike? I will momentarily. I'm going to beat you to it. Yeah. Probably will. And I know they added competitors this year. They went from 12 to 14. Yeah. So yeah. So um, the Ikitosin is going to run through uh, April and March with, or I'm I'm sorry, uh, March and April, and then the finals will be on May fifth. So it's going to be okay. I got the blocks in front of me. So we got two groups, and they're going to do round robin tournaments through, uh, you know, through February and and March and April, and they're going to do like a round robin. You know, each show there will be two or three death matches. This includes like. They're going to be doing these on, like, the little spot shows with 150 people and stuff. And Big Japan usually uploads these to uh, the YouTube with, like, just a couple-day turnaround. But let me go over the groups here because there's a couple guys that uh, I didn't see coming. So in Group A, we have yeah. – uh, yeah, Group A, we have Isami Kodaka, uh, Yuko Miyamoto, Ryuchi Sakin, Yoshihisa Uto. Then we have Abdullah Kobayashi and Ryuji Ito, which both um, – Kobayashi especially kind of, you know, I didn't expect him to be in that. And then uh, rounding out Group A is going to be Jimmy Havoc. So Jimmy Havoc is going to be, be coming back. So each of these guys is going to wrestle the other guy. So we're going to get a Ryuji Ito Kobayashi match, which they tend not to do those too often. We're going to get Kodaka versus Miyamoto, which that's another match that Big Japan kind of uh, doesn't want to, you know, that they kind of, they, they only want to do it for like the bigger shows. And, uh, and then, you know, Udo against all of these guys and Havoc against all of these guys. Uh, so that's Group A. Um, do you guys have any comments about Group A? Um, uh, definitely put some, some interesting matches. Uh, I think Kodaka and Miyamoto, obviously, like you said, I think Jimmy Havoc and Kodaka or Miyamoto could be a very interesting matchup. Obviously, Kobayashi and Ido have a long storied history of, of their matches. It's been a while since we've seen them go one-on-one. So it's definitely a, a, some interesting matchups out of that block. I'm guys, let me ask y'all something because I'm just curious. This might be like a sidebar, but, uh, what what are your what are your guys' thoughts on on Jimmy Havoc? Because I see a lot of people who are a very pro Jimmy Havoc or b very non Jimmy Havoc. I'll take that one for this a second. This is side bar, so I apologize. No, 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 that's okay. I'm I, I'm very blunt about it. Um, I don't like him. Well, I, I shouldn't say I don't like him. You know what I mean? But um, I call him the Sammy Callahan of the UK. Like I'm not into the um, I'm not into the paper cut stuff. I'm not so into his look, like that kind of 
2002 emo look. I'm not so into it. Um, you know, it, it's it's different styles and everything. But for me, he just doesn't wrestle the style that I want to see. It's maybe a bit slower. It's maybe a bit, a bit more built on like that cringe of like the paper cuts and stuff. So I've never seen a Jimmy Havoc match where I jumped out of my seat. And then I saw someone mention they were like, oh, and he had that great three-way against uh, John Wayne Murdoch and Ricky Shane Page. Ricky Shane Page and John Wayne Murdoch were killing it one-on-one -on -one all year. They didn't need Jimmy Havoc thrown into their match to have an amazing match, you know. So... Um, I was surprised that uh, Big Japan brought him back, to be honest, but he's got that look that Japanese people want, you know, you know, girls think he's cute, and he, you know, he's got the hair, but um, he's not my A number one guy. Mike? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I used to I used to call him Thumbtack Jack Light. It was just kind of a joke. Um, there's some matches, there's some matches that uh, I don't mind of his, but if you look in the UK, I mean, I would have brought Drew Parker back. I think Drew Parker is amazing. Um, I, I like Mikey Whiplash a lot. Um, I like Clint Majera, uh, Chris Ridgeway, Chris Renfro. There's a lot of UK guys doing death matches. Uh, Big Joe. Uh, a lot of guys I would have brought in before him. Like his tournament of death run, you know, it's kind of that we're talking about that strange booking earlier in CCW. We bring him in, we put him over Ricky Shane Page, John Wayne Murdoch, Masada. And Connor, and then we don't bring him back till Tournament of Death, and he jobs to Jimmy Jacobs. I mean, him going over Masada, I guess I just if I was just standing there looking at the two, and I didn't know either of them, it'd be laughable to think that he'd beat Masada uh, because Masada is just a man. So I mean, I don't hate him. I like some of his project. Uh, Fight Club, the crazy house matches he was in were okay. And like Steven said, with Ricky Shane Page and, and John Wayne Murdoch, they did a lot of work at that match. He seemed kind of timid in Tournament of Death that year. So he's not my favorite British wrestler. That's my favorite. Okay. I I like Jimmy Havoc. Uh, <laughs> um, I actually got to meet Jimmy Havoc in 2011, and he, at that time I was I was at least told he was the hardcore guy in the UK. You know what I mean? And uh, I'd met him, and I met Clint Marcher and a bunch of other guys. So I was just curious because, like, literally, I'll scroll through social media, and a lot of people have very negative things to say about him, and I feel like the guy the guy knows how to work. He knows who his character is. He portrays it well. And I think he just gets a lot of flack because he's not trying to completely destroy himself. Like some of us will, uh, per match, you know, he, he, uh, takes his time and, and he, uh, he positions things in a certain way. So I, I have an appreciation for everybody who does this. So I also have appreciation for him, but it, I was just honestly curious. Uh, I think with the, the whole tournament gimmick, I think he might, he might, just shock some people you never know honestly like sure. he might go out there and have some matches especially when a foreigner there in japan and it, the it's like the big lights you know it's the wrestlemania of independent wrestlers in the u.s and the uk so it's like they go out there and they go out there to put on a show so he might go out there and put it on a show you never know and I'll, I'll be honest you know what you're saying i i prefer his non-death match stuff i like his work in progress with mark hoskins i like some of his mlw stuff you know, I, I, I most prefer his, his non-death match, more just his hardcore kind of in-progress style. I agree. I've, I've seen a bunch of his stuff, and I've enjoyed most. I've enjoyed mostly all of it. Uh, I haven't watched some of the stuff I've heard you guys talk about, like the paper cut stuff and all that. Yeah, that's hokey, but, like, everybody, to me, everybody wrestles the way they wrestle. So, you know, I can't go out there and be like, oh, well, this is the right way to do it. Because really, like I told Steven, when it comes to ultraviolet wrestling, 
there is no right or wrong way because you don't go into wrestling school to be trained to be a hardcore wrestler. That's something you learn as you go through the job, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, so going on, uh, so we've got the B block. And, and, and again, like, I'm always, like, really quick to say, like, uh, you know, I'm appreciative of anybody who does this, obviously. Well, let me ask you a question. So you were there the night that Jimmy Havoc won the, uh, the TOD. What did yeah. you make of that? Was that the right call, the wrong call? What, you know, what did you think of the fans' uh, kind of backlash of that? Uh, the call from the back, and this is not saying I know. It's just from being there and hearing what was going around. The, the call was made because I'm guessing he was supposed to be brought back like regularly for a while up until a cage of death where he would have a big match against somebody and have a big put that person over. So it's like, you know what I mean? So it's like a shock value. This guy won TOD out of nowhere. He's got all this hype because he did have a lot of hype going into tournament of death. But uh, he has all this hype going. We're going to utilize that hype, bring him in and put him on a win streak. And then a cage of death gives somebody that rub, you know, and uh, it just with all the hands that were in the cookie jar at CZW at the time, like a lot of people screwed it up and a lot of people made a lot of bad decisions. So that didn't end up being the case. So when he won TOD, a lot of stuff that was supposed to happen didn't happen, so it made it almost look pointless that he won TOD after he won it. Well, even now, there's, you know, not to just keep devolving, but someone made the good point. They were like, uh, when MJF had to uh, give up the title and then they made Mance Warner against RSP, someone was like, Jimmy Lloyd won TOD. Shouldn't he be the number one contender in the cage of death, you know? They don't really make the TOD winner mean anything anymore. But, oh, well. Um, oh, Alex, you're muted there. I see Alex talking over here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yep, there Yep. There you go, Alex. All right. No, all right, I'm sorry. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of places, they'll have, like, these big tournaments, and they'll just have tournaments to have tournaments. Like, there should be a reason why why somebody wins it or, or something that happens afterwards, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just about follow-up and everything. So, um, but okay, so going on, uh, next up, uh, Group B is going to be kind of like the younger block is what it's looking like. We got Takeda, so, I mean, not that young as, you know, the Big Japan roster is pretty thin, but they've got Ta Takeda, Sakuda, Tsukamoto, Hoshino, Fujita, Ueki, and then uh, Ricky Shane Page. So we're going to get matches between Takeda and Tsukamoto, Takeda and Ricky Sh Shane Page. Sakuda is obviously, um, I don't know if you really follow it, uh, Alex, but Sakuda's a dude that I follow kind of closely. Him and me talk sometimes, and he's he's been doing deathmatches for about three years now, but you know, in the Japanese system, you're a job boy. You're a job boy for forever until one day you're magically not, right? And um, yeah. this dude's ready. He's mentally like ready to go out there and just show the world what he's got. So I imagine him to have some pretty wild matches during this block, but that's going to be block B. Um, Alex, do you have any comments about those guys? Um, uh, finger, fingers up for, for Ricky Shane Page. I think he's, he's going to go out there and, uh, and show out for, for the U.S. guys. Uh, he's definitely, to, to me, still underrated, and I feel like he's going to go out there and, and show why he does what he does. Uh, obviously, Takeda's going to do what Takeda does well, 
And some of the other guys I'm not really too familiar with. Uh, they're the new, you have the newer crop of dudes. So I really don't have too much of a comment for that. Mike? Um, I'm excited about Takeda Sakuda. Uh, I'm excited about Takeda Yuki. I think that could be a real underrated match that makes us all. Uh, Takeda and RS used to be fun. The Takeda and Tuskamoto is always fun, too. The Golden Lovers, the tag team, not Golden Lovers, the Bloody Lovers, the tag team uh, uh, partners. So, yeah, there's, there's some cool, interesting matches in there. Um, I, you know, Yuki and Sakuto always put on a crazy match. Um, Hoshino's getting up there, but in age, but he's always put on good matches. So, it's definitely, uh, like me, uh, Takeda versus anybody for me is always gold. But I really think Takeda and Yuki and Takeda and Sakudo could be uh, matches that surprise everybody. Um, one thing I want to say about uh, 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 Ricky Shane Page, excuse me there, is um, he's a dude who I always liked him a lot. Like when he was when he was in the, the TOD finals against Tremont and that whole year or two years. And then he was in IWA Mid-South for a while having the bangers with uh, John Wayne Murdoch. And then like... I know why, but the past like eighteen months, I feel like he's fallen off a cliff in a, in in a lot of ways. Where it's just he's in a company that that, that just doesn't get seen a lot. And then I've seen him in like H two O, where you can't really have like that big spotlight crazy singles match, you know. So um, RSP is a guy who I know he's really into CCW. He's very committed to that company and stuff. But it just kind of sucked that in twenty eighteen. He just wasn't being seen. He wasn't being put in matches that could highlight him. Um, Alex, do you have any comments about that? Uh, it, as far as I've known, or as far as I know, I'm sorry. As far as I know, uh, he's he's dealing with, as far as I was told, he's dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. It might be the rumor mill. But as far as I've been told from around the rumor mill is that he might have some injuries he's dealing with, which might explain some of the stuff, but also like you said, him being in CZW at this point in time, uh, with all the, the more, the more uh, growing talent being in the opposite company might hurt more than it helps when it comes to match quality, not saying that they don't have talent that can go. It's just people are paying attention more to the opposite side other than where he's currently, uh, putting his loyalties to Mike, uh, uh, comments. Um, I, I can't agree with both of what you were saying. I mean, obviously he may have some injuries. Um, I'm not, I, I've enjoyed his and John Wade and Murdoch's matches. Um, I guess I'd like to see him branch out and wrestle more people. Um, obviously being in CGW, he's kind of been in that block and the you new know, IWA really hasn't been doing anything death wise. So, uh, be cool to see him against some new talent. So the Japanese, uh, Japanese tour could be really cool. This is a question I've wanted to ask, and I don't want to sound petty or anything, but as a fan watching it, I, you know, I just watched it and I, I knew it was coming, but when, uh, when cage of death 2017 happened and, um, you know, the order came on high from the CZW office. I'm like, okay, you you guys got to pick one, right? And so, and I, I had a good idea of who picked one way and who picked the other. And then you started seeing people get deep pushed or just left off cards little by little like Schlack and G-Raver. They just started getting left off of cards and stuff. And there was that turning point where at, at, you know, at Cage of Death 2017, CZW was still the bigger profile company. And even through up until Mania of 2018, I would still say that they were, 
just kind of, you know, there was no company that was bigger or doing more. And then after Mania, Game Changer Wrestling just took off in this amazing way. Do you have any comment about what it's like to be in uh, the locker room? And then there's a couple guys like Tremont who are in both companies. And to see one company just start growing and running more cities and they're bringing in bigger stars. And then the other company, their attendance is just plummeting and guys are starting to leave. Like, what is it like to be in the, the you know, to be with the boys and see that change? Um, my From my experience, uh, CZW kind of like at some points always became more of a, who you know or maybe what you know other than everybody just coming together as a team to put on a good show like gcw it's a team to me czw was more individualism and that that if that hopefully that explains something <laughs> that's the best way i can possibly explain it uh because just all the drama czw was more worried about the drama worried about everything else going around while gcw was worried about the product and the quality that they were putting into everything. All right. Um, one more Japanese note I just want to say. So uh, right now, uh, Big Japan is doing, uh, they're doing these park shows where for the next uh, two weeks or so, they're going to be running three, you know, two or three park shows per day. These are real fun shows. They're family oriented. They'll do like hardcore stuff and maybe a barbed wire board match or something. But they're, they're mostly these fun party shows where they'll get like, you know, uh, 50 people during the day and maybe 300 people at night, but they're not hard shows. But Jockey Numazawa is not going to be wrestling on him. He's got a, a bad back and shoulder. He's not in the Ikitosin tournament. We talk a lot about Jackie Numazawa kind of like slowly transitioning where now he kind of does managing stuff. He does comedy stuff. He'll, he'll always do office stuff. He drives the ring truck and stuff. Do you have any memories of... Uh, Numazawa from uh you know from just watching his matches over the years. No, Mike. <laughs> Mike. Me, me. I don't have. Okay. Mm, I don't have much to be honest. Uh, I was never really into Numazawa that much, so I can't give you too much uh, insight on that that question. <laughs> no problem. Uh, um, go on, Mike. Yeah, well, the one match that always sticks in my mind with Numasawa was him and Kasai in that razor board match where Kasai took that fucking insane bump where it just looked like people had took a red marker and wrote like a hundred times on his back. It's one of the craziest, uh, but I still show people that match. And obviously, you know, him teaming with uh, Jun Kasai and then even early on him teaming with Adula Kobayashi against Too Tough Tony and Pondo. And Numazawa was never one of my favorites um, either. Um, I, I appreciate what he did. I, you know, I've liked the 445 light tube match he had. Um, but it's just, uh, he, I, I present more hybrid like Miyamoto, Takeda style. I really, you know, Kadaka, you know, the guys that really go in there and wrestle hardcore. And I always thought Jackie was kind of a B player, but he's put his body through hell. I mean, and he deserves credit because he was there for years and he fought in all kinds of crazy death matches. So, you know, he deserves all the credit in the world he gets. All right. And then um, we've got results for a couple stuff, but let's save that for next week um, or for the next show, which we'll be doing another show like Wednesday or something like, like that. But um, the last topic I just want to go over is uh, we got one new match for the uh, the GCCW show, which is going to be Matt Tremont versus G Raver. Um, I mean, that sounds awesome. Um, one thing, you know, that we always kind of talk about that uh, Tremont's been wrestling a lot of shorter matches. I was just wondering if you had any comment about, you know, how Tremont's uh, doing with 
his health, you know, he had a pretty wicked 2017, and he's still kind of bouncing back from that. Um, um, health-wise, I think Matt's still good enough to produce. I don't think it's it's any specific, like, he's injured here and there. I, I think his body does have wear and tear, and that's coming from somebody who sees Matt as not only a boss or he's also, like, a friend, somebody that – I want to see do well even after he decides to hang the hang up the boots. Uh, I think I think now, like just the recent talks I've had with him, he's he's ready. He's ready to really. He wants to be back and have the matches that motivate him. And and I feel like this Raver match is one that's going to motivate him. So I, he's going to bring his A game. I know for sure in his hometown of Atlantic City and fucking kill it. So I'm gonna have a lot of work on my plate that night. Definitely. What do you think about the idea, you know, we talk a lot about that that uh, GCW does too many death matches per show. Like that, uh, that you know, the last one had, I think, five or six, right? Uh, I think, yeah, four or five, maybe. Five. Um, yeah, five? All right. Yeah, uh, have I don't... six, but Murdoch and Slack was canceled. I don't think they do. They don't do that that many. Uh, in my eyes, they don't do. I think feel like they do more of the uh, variety show and the Janela shows more than they do like a deathmatch heavy show for per year. In my eyes, for since I've been there, as, as I mean, that's what I feel. You know, I was watching the show, and by the time the main event come, I was just, like, so burnt out. I was like, oh, my God, six death matches. This is like a tournament without brackets, you know? Uh, not saying it's a bad thing, but, you know, I just wanted to ask that real quick. But, um, okay, well, that's all I've got going on. We'll do uh, results from the past week on the next episode. Um, but, Mike or, or Alex, do you guys have anything else that you guys want to go over or say? Uh, I appreciate Alice coming on tonight. It's great to talk to you, uh, taking some time out. Uh, you know, so much love your work. Uh, I know you're a deathmatch cult page. You're a big hit. You've, you've been in a match of the year twice in a row. So I uh, appreciate what you do, putting your body out there. And, uh, you know, you can catch me on deathmatch cult page. Uh, also, very soon, we're going to release uh, Kawasaki Dream in episode four. Uh, you can hear us. Uh, we're going to talk about Mike Austin a little bit and Kintaro Kanemaru. And uh, this, this is where you can kind of check me out. And then, Mike, where can people find you? Uh, me again? Alex, I'm sorry. Mike. Alex, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's cool. Uh, real quick, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I listen to your, your guys' shit. Uh, every time you come out with a new one so it's definitely cool to be on here and and just shoot the shits with you guys uh yeah uh, anyone can find me on uh twitter alex cologne 0139 uh you can find me on on facebook uh new jerican 012002 or you could obviously search me and and uh facebook it's harder to interact because i don't really accept too many friend requests but but uh, Twitter is definitely the best way for everybody to reach me. So uh, thank you guys for having me on. I super appreciate it. No problem. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the, the next time you're the, you're picked to have a dream match against the next uh, superstar, you know? Yeah. Matsunaga, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> cool. All right. So, okay. All right. With that, uh, you can find me on Twitter, INTL Wrestling. And uh, we will see you guys later this week. We'll have results from the past week and a lot more news. So thank you guys for listening.